Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Back here on the first team, Joe DeLeo, joined by Ryan Roberts and former NFL QB Matt Sims. Today, folks, we've got some interesting topics we're going to be getting to you. We're going to be reacting to the news that Dylan Raiola, the number one quarterback recruit, number one recruit overall in the 2024 class, is going to be heading to Georgia of all places. Reaction to that coming up, as well as our predictions on where we think, or what games rather, that the rookies in the 2023 quarterback class We'll be starting it. All that coming up on today's show. Guys, starting us off with Dylan Raiola. We've spoken about him on this show. Matt and I did a whole episode where if he ended up being a member of the Nebraska Cornhuskers and picking to play for his father's alma mater, what that would mean for the landscape of college football. Well, that doesn't play out. That doesn't end up happening. He ends up going with the shocking news here. He ends up picking the University of Georgia <laughs> as his inevitable location. So, Matt, I want to kick it to you first because I know that we've spent a lot of time on uh, Raiola and talking about him. First of all, like, are, are you at all surprised that this happened? Like, should we any of us be shocked that the best team in the country right now pulls the best quarterback in the upcoming recruiting class? You said it right, right there, man. Best quarterback, best team. No surprise there. Uh, they, they got all the pieces to continue to have great success in the SEC. It's the greatest competition level in college football right now, too, which I think is always a bonus for anyone that's trying to play high-level sports and be a great competitor that way. Exciting news for Dylan. He's committed. That doesn't mean that it's a shoe in though, to, to end up that way, too, with especially how we've seen volatile you know, uh, things happen through the transfer portal with coaching changes. So right now he's got a great home. Kirby Smart, again, landed a great football player. And uh, we'll see how this plays out uh, in the next few mm. weeks and, and throughout the season. Yeah, I, I think that's a great note, Matt, is that, you know, a verbal commitment is is just is great until – but it only matters when you sign on the dotted line, obviously, right. in January. So, yeah, I mean, I think that for me there's a two-prong conversation here as far as the impacts. One is that – Georgia just landed a guy who I consider the absolute best quarterback in the 2024 recruiting class. I mean, Dylan Rayola, 6'3", 220 pounds, strong arm, really good outside of structure. He is where the modern game is going, and he fits exactly what you want to see as far as your ability to ab-lib and win both inside and outside of structure. He is a modern quarterback, and I think he's a tremendous talent. Georgia has quietly, very quietly, recruited quarterback pretty well over the last couple of years. I mean, they have yeah. Gunnar Stockton. They have Carson Beck, obviously, ready to start. They have gotten a couple of guys that were borderline five-star recruits over the last year. Justin years. Fields. Justin Fields. Well, I was going to say, Matt, yeah. is that you can make an argument, because this is my point, is that they've recruited well at quarterback, but Rayola's one step up from there, man. This is the best quarterback recruit that Georgia's had since at least Justin Fields. Maybe since Matt Stafford. Like, I think you can make an yeah. argument. It's a very right. interesting and compelling argument, in my opinion. Yeah. So Georgia, a team that has won with a good quarterback over the last two years, who had a tremendous supporting cast, now has a quarterback that I think if he's developed properly, could be a guy that if elevates 
what's around him. And if you're elevating the talent that George has already been bringing in, that's pretty dang scary, right? Like it's very, very scary. So you got the best quarterback that you've gotten in several years. And I think for Georgia, we ha- it just it's just kind of continuing to be that team that is really pulling themselves to the top of the food chain. You know, as far as it's been Georgia and Alabama, I think it's firmly Georgia after winning two straight national championships. Alabama fought back on the recruiting trail in 2023 and actually ended up with the number one class. But if you look at the momentum Georgia's building in 2024, I mean, they have several guys outside of Dylan Rayola, the Ryan Wingos of the world, the Jaden Riddells of the world that are getting forecasted to end up at the University of Georgia. So I think this is Kirby Smart and this program who's won two straight national championships. It's fight back to say, Alabama, you got us one year on the recruiting trail. But now we're going to separate ourselves in 2024, and we're going to continue to win football games. So it's it's a massive get for the Georgia Bulldogs. I think one thing, too, I just want to bring up with this. So, like, all, all that is – obviously, it's massive for them to continue to pull top recruits like this. And they've always dominated the defensive side of the football, which we've talked about when we talked about the previous recruiting cycle. Them to now pull the top quarterback recruits, not, not just a, a five-star, the top guy in the upcoming class – is pretty significant. But I do want to bring this up. We have noticed a trend, and it started a little bit with Quinn Ewers, and I think the argument for maybe it happening with Arch is something for us to monitor. Guys like Dylan Rayola, Quinn Ewers, that are the top quarterback recruits that don't play early on and don't get on the field early on, they tend to depart. They tend to leave. Justin Fields that we brought up was the highest-rated quarterback recruit in a long time that picked the University of Georgia. He ends up hopping in the portal because he was frustrated with the situation with him and Jake Fromm, knowing that he's the more talented overall quarterback that he headed to Ohio State. So I do bring up this possibility of he doesn't end up going, Rayola doesn't end up going to Ohio State, he doesn't end up going to Nebraska, but I would consider both of those schools still in the mix for maybe after that freshman season, if he doesn't get into the mix to some level, he doesn't feel satisfied where he can maybe take over within the next year or so, he might not stick around. And I know that's something that Georgia fans don't want to hear, but it's certainly a possibility. I don't see it. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, it's just with the age of the transfer portal and all that, uh, of course, we should expect to see that. I mean, if we have 50 Division I quarterbacks that are ranked a three-star and above, you're going to guess that at least probably 25 of them are going to transfer within a year or two of that commitment. So it's going to be no shocker that way. I would say the one aspect of it that I really find interesting is, you know, Mike Bobo, and Brian McClendon now as the offensive coordinator slash pass game uh, coordinator. How does mm-hmm. their dynamic play out replacing Todd Muck and the great success that he has in offensive coordinator? How does this offense look this season? And does that maybe, you know, change the opinion of a Dylan Rayola and some of the other recruits that they're going at, at the quarterback position? So that'll be a big question mark, too, going into this football season. I was I was going to say that I don't buy that actually, Joe, because yes, the transfer portal has made it so much easier for roster movement and guys yeah. to just get out quickly. But I think every situation that you're going to point to and say young gun that transfers after a year are on teams that didn't win a national championship, right? George is a team that That's winning true. fixes everything. You know who didn't transfer after his freshman year as a backup? Bryce Young. You know why? Because they just won a championship in 2020. Like I think that that winning calms those let's jump and let's just leave, right? Jake Fromm didn't win a championship at Georgia. If he had that year, I bet that Justin Fields would have been more inclined to be like, you know what? I'm going to stick this guy out a little bit because we're winning national championships and Jake Fromm's pretty good. 
But I th- really think that as long as winning happens, which Georgia's shown, they're mm. going to win a lot of football games. I think that just I think winning calms down that jumping, and I think that's usually why you don't see a lot of movement at some of the top schools as far as people transferring out because they're like. We're winning games, right? Like this is a winning formula. This isn't like a just a you're an idiot. We're losing football games because I'm not <laughs> playing. You're literally winning football games. So I think that they can kind of calm some of the transfer. Well, stuff. and it is a good point as well if you look at it from the Mark Sanchez, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jesse Palmer, all those guys at the USC at the time. And then there's Matt Castle who's a guy that's like in the wings waiting to play. It was almost better for him to be a backup at USC and practice against USC every football day than it was to actually transfer and be a starter at another school. So it worked out well for him. So being in these programs that are winning, that are coached well, waiting your time like – you know, a, a past generation always did, right, because of the stipulations of transferring and all that. But it, it is an interesting dynamic. And right now he's in a good situation. George is doing the right thing. They're recruiting as many good football players as they can. And unfortunately, they know they can't make everybody happy. And there always is going to be that aspect of the the personal relationship with the players and coaches. And sometimes that not it doesn't always mesh and we have to kind of keep that in mind, too, that these mm. are young men working in yep. a new world with, you know, grown a men at the coaching world. And sometimes, you know, those relationships just don't collide. Even though they went great on the recruiting trip, they, that doesn't mean that it's going to be harmonious when the actual season begins. Yeah, we'll have to see how that one plays out. But certainly, as anyone can imagine, Rayola's decision to play at the University of Georgia makes waves in this upcoming recruiting class. And if Definitely. he sticks around... There could be a really positive outcome, more national championships to come for the Georgia Bulldogs. Transferring our focus to the NFL draft slash the upcoming NFL season, there were four top rookies that we focused a lot of our attention on throughout this process, that being Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. They're all set to play at some point for their new franchises, and they were all picked within the first two rounds. So let's try to predict when we think these guys are going to get onto the field, starting with Bryce Young. Guys, I'm going to keep this one really simple for Bryce Young. (laughs) I think out of anybody, he is the most likely to probably start week one. I don't think there's going to be much pushback on him starting week one. I don't think that there's even any viable competition on the roster. We spoke a lot on this show about how he is the most ready to play. And frankly, this Panthers roster is in a very, very bad division. If Bryce comes out and he plays decent football they could be competing to win that division by the end of the year right. not saying it's very likely but that is probably going to be their thought process of trying to get him onto the field early Matt, let's go take to you first, it easy man andy Dalton, you're just gonna crush andy <laughs> Dalton like that andy Dalton is you know absolutely one of the top 40 quarterbacks in the nfl right now right he's not all right i forget not, that andy Dalton's on that roster he's, admittedly he's a good quarterback he's a good football player he's got a ton of experience and he's been successful throughout his career but i totally agree with you joe week one starter mm-hmm. at atlanta bryce young he's the man he's going to be ready to go week one i think he's going to get a good amount of reps and experience in the preseason i think they're going to make sure they're, they're going to doctor it up really well to protect him and make sure that he's performing at his highest level to build confidence into this preseason and i think a guy like andy Dalton in that qb room will will help at least speed up the process of his adjustment into the nfl game yeah i mean i think that there's obviously that tangible side of you drafted him number one overall for a reason right and there's Mm -hmm. a reason that you 
mortgage so much draft capital to go up and get him. So you want to see what you have, obviously. I think it's a great note, Matt, though, on Andy Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton quietly played very well for the Saints last year. Like, he yeah, was very good, much. He's good. He's yeah. good for them. It wasn't bad at all. So I, I think that when you look at it, there is definitely a bridge that could happen, but I also think that it's going to be week one just because I think that what Andy's going to bring to Bryce is that invaluable member of the team every single day to say, this is how I was successful. This is what I did. This is what I didn't do. And understanding Mm -hmm. that that perspective is incredibly important for a 21-year-old kid that isn't going to turn 22 until during that season. So I think he's an invaluable resource for Bryce, but I think that the reason that you mortgaged multiple first-round picks and DJ Moore is because you want to see what you have and you think that he is that type of guy. So I think week one as well for me is where we see Bryce Young first time in a Carolina Panther uniform. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think Bryce Young's probably the the least divisive player that we're going to be talking about today. Because again, just to reiterate all that, he appears to be the most ready to play. I I don't think there's a reason to not get him out there. And I I would actually be shocked if he doesn't start from the premise of, and I'd actually be concerned if he doesn't start. Like from that premise of where he's supposed to be ready to go, why isn't he starting right away? Is there some something that's not going well? Is he not as far along as we thought he was? But again, I think that we're all on the same page here that week one is going to be the spot for him. I'm actually kind of surprised that clickbait Joe wasn't pushing back against the the consistent narrative there. But, you know, <laughs> I want to curse at you, but we can't on this program. But just know that I would be cur- cursing at Good. you right now. Uh, CJ Stroud, the Houston Texans pick who went uh, very early on second overall in the 2023 NFL draft. I, I think for for Stroud, it, it's it's very hard to pinpoint one game. I think it's either going to be week one for me or it's going to be somewhere later down the line during this upcoming season because it's either that C.J. Stroud looks ready to go and we've all kind of thought that he maybe needs some decision-making improvements, but he could be ready to start week one, or maybe they like the current options. It's worth bringing up that they have Davis Mills still. They also have Case Keenum, who's been a longtime high-quality backup who's been willing to step in and start for multiple games. Maybe that's the direction that they want to go in. But Ryan, I want to head to you first on this one. What do you think? I picked week five against Atlanta for one major reason. here. Well, actually, a couple major reasons. One, I think that we haven't talked about this enough. Joe, who was the youngest quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft? It, it's C.J. Stroud. It was C.J. Stroud. He's a young cat, man. Everyone assumed that it was Anthony Richardson. He's the young guy. C.J. Stroud's actually the youngest quarterback in this year's class, which I think that a maturation that still needs to happen physically, and I think that he would benefit from a couple games of just kind of taking it in. And then there's also the old cliche that coaches do, and this is actually legitimate. Coaches break up the season usually into quarters. I know there's 17 games instead of 16, so it's a little bit of a funky thing, but they usually mm-hmm. bring it up into four-game increments. Like, this is what we want to accomplish in this four games, so move on to the next four, four, and then so on and so forth. I think you look at that four-game sample size of Davis Mills, and I believe Houston Texans are not going to be a great team. So after four, they're going to be like, yeah, let's hit the eject <laughs> button here. Like, this, is, this isn't great. Like, we're not winning football games convincingly. Maybe we're one and three, and... Davis is just fine, but he's obviously not that guy, right? Like he's a good NFL quarterback, but he's not a guy that we want to be our starter long-term. So after first four games, I think the second quarter, you started the season and say, this is CJ Stroud time. Let's give him 12, 13 games to end this season, see what we got, and then he is our starter foregone into the future. So I think that there is a balance of he's still very young, 
Let's ease them into this. But then there's also the evaluation of Houston Texans are not probably going to be a great football team in 2023. So you don't want to wait until I think the bye week, I think is after like week 11 or something like that. Or uh, it's, it's week eight. Oh, it's, it's week eight. Okay. It's a little week. bit earlier. So I was thinking about the Indianapolis Colts for Anthony Richardson. So, but I think that you don't wait to the bye week because I just don't think that the Houston Texans are going to be very competitive early on in this season. And if they aren't, I think that you go to CJ Stroud earlier than not, and you just see what you have, obviously, the last 12 to 13 weeks. Yeah, so I'm going Matt, what do you week, think? week seven during that bye week. They named CJ Stroud the starter, and his first step on the NFL field is the CJ Stroud Bryce Young matchup versus Carolina Panthers. So that's what I'm going with. Well, I'm, that's going fun. with I'm going with midseason a little bit more. Um, and I think it is going to be a little bit more of a uh, Case Keenum, Davis Mills. Just kind of carry us through the fire here early as we figure things out. Once we need a little bit more of just like a boost as far as team energy goes, uh, especially because we don't expect them to obviously rewrite the narrative of the Houston Texans those first six weeks of the season. I think that that's what they will kind of go back into the quarterback room and say, hey, let's just make a change. Let's bring in the young gun. Let's try to be a little bit more explosive and energetic and try to create a little bit more buzz for our entire program against the Carolina Panthers and have that one matchup against Bryce. Matt, that's why you're so good, man. You're so thoughtful because now we get a great a great storyline of the CJ versus Bryce, man. I love that. Hey, I really the NFL talk. is scripted, so just follow my script, NFL. This is this is the best thing for ratings. I love it. All right? You push it to prime time. Both teams will be sub 500 and it'll be in a prime time game. <laughs> Matt, Matt's slowly revealing that he's one of the script writers for the NFL. But yeah. now I picked the same exact game, though. I said week one, but then the other option for me if there is a quarterback, I think that comes after the bye week, I agree with everything you said, Ryan. If that isn't the case where they're just like, all right, let's stop the Davis Mills experiment. Um, I think at that point after the bye week really does give you a good bridge. And it's an early bye week too. It's not like a bye week that is week 11 as you thought it was, Ryan, that's later on in the season. They might be looking at it in that sense where, okay, let's get to the bye week. And if we're not happy with the results that we have on the field and we're not happy with direction, of where we want to go. And they maybe even if CJ isn't fully ready, they're just going to say, let's get him out there. Let's see what results that we can get from CJ Stroud. And hopefully he can make some progressions in that second half of the season. So I'm in agreement with you there, Matt. And what's all Moving this on to our next I with Davis Mills, bro? What's all this shade about Davis Mills? He's as, okay, as well, productive, they, they clearly, he's as productive as Justin Fields right now in the NFL. All right. That's well, they, they clearly draft. I was going to say this, but I, I didn't end up bringing it up because I wanted to move on to Anthony Richardson. I was going to say I'm sure that there is a thought process to like, let's see if we can get some games out of Davis Mills that maybe he looks decent that somebody trades for him. I think that's, that's certainly yeah. something on the yeah, table. That's real. That's real that's for sure. That's, that's real. That's real. Joe, Ryan's I'm just a bigger hater than I, I am. I, I, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that we could say ors in this experiment, man. I would have been like week one or two or three it's, or four. It's or the five. only one. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Hey, okay. Wait, wait. You can't call. You can't call me out for giving multiple answers. Matt, early on in the season, used to come on here with like five answers for when we wanted one. So yeah, but I like Matt. I like Matt more. So that's fine. <laughs> exactly. All right. One answer for Anthony Richardson, who I think that's is probably one of the more complicated guys to pick uh, a game for him mm-hmm. to start for because. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's this weird sense that people are trying to make the the argument that he could start week one. I think we can all agree here that that's going to be really way too soon for Anthony Richardson. It could be detrimental if he gets onto the field maybe too early just for the team in general. But if we were to pick a week, when do we think it is? Matt, we'll go to you first. 
This is a really tough one. I think his first start doesn't come till later in the season, week 13 versus the Tennessee Titans. I'm going really late in the season, uh, a whole week after, two weeks, excuse me, after their bye. Um, so I am going week 13 at the Tennessee Titans. Familiar foe, a division rival that they've seen at least, you know, uh, at that point, it'll be their second time in the season that they've played the Titans. So I feel like they'll they'll go back to that situation, knowing that he's seen this team one time live from the sidelines, gotten all that information from them that first game, learning through Gardner Minshew, gaining experience and wisdom vicariously through him and his experience. And I also think that Anthony Richardson is going to be thrown in just incrementally into the off anyway. So even if he's not a day one starter, um, I, I had this discussion with my father the other day. We do think that he will probably be implemented in the offense in some form or fashion, you know, throughout the season yeah. early on, no matter what. Well, and I'm on a similar wavelength here, Matt. I'm actually, and I, I've I've been pretty consistent with this on this show, so I'm not going to stray away from this. I personally would rather him just get thrown into the fire early and just kind of see what happens personally. I agree. Now, NFL yeah, teams aren't as they're they're not as they're not always as forward of like let's do that right because they want to be able to put the best product on the field and not rush development and do all that type of stuff. So I actually went with week twelve, which is the week right after the bye week. They play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tampa Bay is going to take a major step back. I just don't think they're going to be a great team this year. They're probably going to be somewhere around five hundred, although you can't go five hundred anymore with the seventeen games. <laughs> but I think that Anthony Richardson after the bye, similar to what Matt said earlier about you know CJ gets the bye and then he's kind of named the starter. I think Anthony, there's there's two lines of thinking. Again, the one that I said originally of throwing a guy into the fire or being super patient with him. And I think if you're super patient with him. Gardner Minshew is a good enough player who has been productive at times during his career where he can keep you afloat and maybe keep you somewhere competitive. Again, not winning the division, yeah. but competitive. You know, you're not losing games by much in each and every week. And I think that he is a very good bridge to getting to Anthony Richardson, but I also think that he's not going to play bad enough football where you're like, after three games, like eject button. Like we don't we don't need this right now. So I think Richardson gets to the bye, and then after the bye, you give him those four or five games to really get his feet wet. And then going into 2024, he's your full-time starter from day one. Yeah. Yeah. Minshew being there, I think is a really important fold here because like he's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And some might argue could still get some starting reps. He's not obviously not the guy of the future, but I think you could get some really good run out of him to that point where they are still competitive. I ended up going with week eight against the Saints. My thought process was either what you said, Ryan, after the bye week against the Buccaneers, who are probably going to be not very good this year. I also don't think the Saints are going to be very good this year. So I was kind of looking for like, what's the earliest week game on their schedule that isn't too early to throw them into the fire? I think if they're a little bit below 500, the thought process is just going to be after giving him enough snaps like you talked about, Matt, working him into the run game, you're just going to say, you know, like, you know what, let's just get him into the mix. We're not winning football games right now. Let's just let him take over more of these reps and we'll see what goes on from there. And then as you said, Ryan, him being the eventual 2024 starter, before we run up on time here, the last guy, Will Levis with the Tennessee Titans, the former Kentucky quarterback. This one I think is very messy to predict. And uh, Ryan, I know we're exactly where you're going with this. And I actually tend to agree. I gave a week but you don't think at all that Will Levis is going to touch the field in, in 2023. 
Well, we have, we have a nice little uh, Google Doc to keep everything organized, and I wrote no as my answer next to Will Levis. I just, I, guys, I just, I, I, I won. I kind of push back on some people in the sense that Tennessee is going to be this dumpster fire of a team. I think they're going to be competitive. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not going to say Super Bowl contender, but like they're going to be in a playoff conversation. I think later in the season because they have a good coach and there's still some foundational pieces on that roster it's not like a dumpster fire right so i think when you look at that i say ryan Tannehill is a good enough player where you, you know that he's not the guy four or five years from now you know he's not that guy anymore but he's a solid starting quarterback in the nfl he's going to keep you competitive he's not going to lose you a ton of football games he, he's just gonna be fine so i just don't think there's ever gonna be the need to move to a rookie quarterback because i think you're gonna just going to be in playoff contention throughout most of the year if I'm wrong, they're not a very good football team relatively early in the season. Then the eject button probably happens. But I, I'm just kind of banking on, I think, Tennessee under Mike Vrabel is just going to be a tough, hard-nosed, good, solid football team. And if they are, I, I don't think there's any need to make a quarterback switch this year. Yeah, and for me, I mean, it's it's one of those situations, again, if the season is kind of falling apart those last three weeks, they have Seattle, then I believe they have Houston, and then Jacksonville those last three weeks. I, I would say that, that would be the time where he gets put into the lineup, getting experience, and that is only if they are clear-cut, not in the playoff run at all. So if the team falls apart there late, if they're three or four games out of it, I see Mike Vrabel pulling the trigger then, getting him acclimated to the NFL game, getting starts, making sure that they're really kind of going out of their way, preparing him so that next season that he can go in there and just be the man from, from day one in OTAs. So just wrap us here on the, my thought here. I kind of agree with Ryan. I do think that week 15 against the Texans is one uh, to pay attention to because they're one of the worst teams in the division. Um, folks, thank you for tuning in to today's show at Joe DeLeon, at Sims Complete QB, and at Rise and Draft. Appreciate you tuning in. We will be back next week with more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.